Welcome back to the Manual Focus Podcast. In today's episode, I interview Nick Brangle. Nick is a YouTuber and cinematographer based in the Washington DC area. Nick is a really interesting guy and I think we had a great conversation that I think you will enjoy. We talk, of course, obviously about filmmaking. We talk about YouTube. We talk about a short film that Nick has directed, shot, edited, produced, the whole, the whole works. And then we also get into a little discussion about minimalism. So this interview certainly was all across the board, but like I said, I think you'll really, really enjoy it. And before we get into the interview, just wanted to give you a quick reminder. If you haven't already, and if you're listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, you can actually leave a review, which just helps kind of get the word out there. It helps people as they're searching for podcasts in this niche to uh, just kind of have the manual focus podcast show up. So uh, you can either leave a review or you can even write a description um, that way as well. So anyways, <laughs> with all of that being said, let's get into the interview. I'm here with Nick Bringle. Is it Bringle or is it Brangle. Brangle. Yeah. Brangle, Brangle. You could say it however you want, really. Okay. It doesn't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Pringle, when I was growing up, you know, that was always a fun, you know. Right. Fun one, but yeah. Nice, man. Well, uh, first of all, it's, uh, it's a pleasure to, to meet you, man, um, even though I guess Likewise. it's not in person, but you know, the best we can do these days. Um, super stoked, man, just to have you on the podcast and be able to chat with you. And, you know, you were kind of just mentioning just a few minutes ago that like when you first started a podcast that it was all about, or your intention was to kind of just network with people in your area and meet other, you know, creatives and filmmakers. And honestly, that was kind of the the vision that I had with this one. Um, not necessarily people just in my area, but, uh, just with people that I've like met or seen on, on YouTube online that, mm-hmm. um, kind of just like watched videos from afar and been like, Hey, you know, that guy seems pretty cool. Uh, and you are certainly one of those. And so honestly, man, super stoked to, to meet you and to have you on. Yeah, no, thank you. I, uh, I'm always, I, I, I look forward to stuff like this, even though I haven't done a lot of it. Um, but even when I've done in-person stuff, uh, just, you know, that inspiration, the creativity, the energy that comes out of it, because you come out of conversations like this and you just, you're like, what do I, I want to go do something now. It's like, it's like winning, I don't know, the final four. Or whatever, yeah, no, that's, or yeah, that's, that's <laughs> totally true. Totally true. Um, well, do you want to just kind of start off and I mean, for my own benefit, but obviously for everybody else, just kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of what you're up to these days. Yeah. So I, well, currently I have dived heavily into YouTube the past year. Uh, the pandemic helped that out quite a bit, of course. Uh, but oh, we're coming up on three years. Uh, April 1st will be three years ago that I left my regular job as a producer um, at a mega church here in Northern Virginia. And uh, when I left that, I my idea was, you know, I'm going to take on client projects and uh, and obviously do that. But the bigger goal was to really pursue what my passion, my dream was, and that was filmmaking um, and, you know, really starting to produce, whether it was narrative work or documentary work, um, but really start to hone in on where I see myself, you know, 20, 30 years from now and not just keep doing things just to get a paycheck. Um, and so 
the past, yeah, the past year has been really exciting because, you know, the, the work has been very limited, uh, and that's given me a lot of time and space to create on YouTube and to write and to kind of plan things that will hopefully happen in the future. And, um, it's definitely been an interesting year, I'm sure as it has been for everybody and it's definitely had its ups and downs, but overall, the growth that I've seen in myself and uh, my communities on social media, whether it's YouTube or um, Instagram or whatnot, have really helped inspire me to stay pumping stuff out and creating things, even when you're looking around like, how can I do anything when there's just nothing going on? So, um, yeah. No, that's super cool. So um, are you currently right now like a freelance filmmaker videographer then is that your job? Yeah, definitely. That, that, um, when certain things come my way, um, it just, just depends on what the project is. Uh, but yeah, I would say at the end of the day, I tell people I'm a freelance filmmaker, freelance cinematographer, um, sometimes an editor. It just depends on, you know, what project that I say yes to. So, and what kind of work are you typically doing in the freelance world then? So I'm, I try to lean heavily into, uh, smaller brands, uh, working with artists, um, just local, smaller things that, uh, that you're able to have more creative control and also collab real collaboration and not so much. Here's what we want. Go do it. Um, and it needs to look a specific way. And I've actually been very lucky, uh, to be able to do that for the most part, to, um, be connected to some, uh, creative agencies in DC and some amazing artists that are, yeah, they're doing big murals and all kinds of stuff. And I've been able to, uh, just stay connected with them. And when things come around, they, they know which projects to call me up on and which ones not to. So, um, yeah, no, that's awesome. So, you you moved to DC from from Virginia then? Uh, no, uh, no. So we live in Virginia. We've never actually lived in the district. Um, oh, okay. so gotcha. I I was born and raised in Saint Petersburg, Florida, um, and so uh, yeah, lived there until twenty six, twenty seven, um, and then we moved to Fairfax, which is about. 34 it's about 45 minutes outside of dc um but then we quickly barely like a year in we moved to arlington which is you know you could throw a rock over the potomac river and you're in dc so um yeah we've never lived in the district we've just been right on the outskirts gotcha yeah i forget that on the east coast like all your states are so close together that you can literally drive state to state in yeah dc and maryland and virginia it's really weird like everybody calls it the dmv here um but it's yeah nice it's it's interesting (laughs) (laughs) took me a sec there (laughs) nice um so you mentioned youtube which probably get into that here in a little bit um but i'm really just interested in I guess your your approach to filmmaking. Um, one thing that I I notice just right away. Well, I mean, watching your content on YouTube um, is just, and even your banner says, you know, filmmaking minimalism. But you, I feel like you really kind of embody that almost minimalistic style in your films. Um, and I'm just curious as to kind of where where your style, where your inspiration, just where all of that comes from. 
Yeah, it's a, I, it's a great question because, uh, yeah, it's one of those we could talk for hours about, I feel like. Um, yeah, I, uh, I I don't know. It's It's really weird. Going all the way back to when I was 13, 14 years old and picking up a camera for the first time and just shooting random stuff either with my friends or uh with myself and just making um at the time uh I want I forgot what year this is but M Night Shyamalan was huge and it was you know yeah. Sixth Sense Unbreakable you know all of his great movies you know come out one one after the other yeah. and those were a huge inspiration for me uh to get into filmmaking I just really I've always appreciated his style and the way that he just keeps you engaged with something that you don't even know what's going to happen, but it's just something about the look and the feel and the energy of it. Um, and so that was kind of like the the ground level uh, of that, but it wasn't really until I was probably graduated from high school uh, that I started to watch a lot of Terrence Malick's work. And, um, I don't know if you've seen any, I'm not familiar with him. So Terrence Malick, uh, going all the way back to the sixties with Badlands, which was, uh, Martin, Martin Sheen. Um, but then fast forward to now he's done movies like the tree of life with Brad Pitt. Um, and he's done a bunch of stuff. One of my favorite movies is the tree of life. Another one is called the thin red line. Uh, it's a war movie. Um, but it's not really about war. It's about kind of humanity. Uh, but his style and he is very unapologetic with his style is, um, very abstract, but also very definite at the same time. Like he, he lets things settle. He lets things sit and wait and um his very long takes a lot of steady cam shots a lot of very natural free flowing uh uh cinematography and he also uh the way he writes and the way he approaches his work uh there's some of his movies that he's done that the screenplays don't even have dialogue he only writes emotion. So he writes out a story, but then when he actually puts the screenplay together for the talent, it's very much the emotion and uh, he gives very basic, you know, it's almost like an improv uh, type thing. So uh, yeah, so that's a big part. And then I think just in general, just me as a human being, I have, for some reason, I've always been attracted to reality and um, I'm not a big fan of the Avengers and that type of work. You know, I think it's entertaining and it, you know, it obviously it makes a lot of money, but I, for some reason, uh, really am attracted to movies that are sharing, tr- whether it's true stories or fictional, but they are so close to reality and they're things that, uh, maybe we're not experiencing in our lives, but that are happening to other people. So um, very recently, I would say, would be uh, Sound of Metal, which is up for Best Picture. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we just watched Minari uh, two nights ago. Oh, I haven't seen that. Um, and that's up for Best Picture. And just Sound of Metal is just unreal. I mean, it just it's a perfect example of um, of work that I I really, really am drawn to. Um, and so, yeah, I, I'm very much a part of this organic, yeah. uh, type of work. I guess right. that's, yeah. So what, what do you, what is your thoughts or how do you feel about 
like Christopher Nolan films. Love, yeah, love okay. Christopher Nolan. Yeah, love Christopher Nolan because he's so he's like the complete opposite. You know, everything yeah. is so meticulously planned out, the story, the way it's going to be shot, but he does it in a way that is just like no other film. There's just no other filmmaker like him. There, yeah. And also his relationship with Hans Zimmer, um, you know, with, with the music, how it's right. composed and just everything comes together. Now I haven't seen Tenet yet. I will admit okay. for some okay. reason, I just have not watched it yet. I will. You have to, um, man. Yeah, so and and I like you know all his films. I think um, I, I I lean into I guess uh, yeah Memento and then yeah. re- Dunkirk is probably one of my other favorites. Of Tenet his. is one of those that if you're gonna watch it, make sure you like are actually gonna watch it with like good audio because <laughs> I right. watched it. I've only seen it one time and I watched it on a plane, which you know even though I had my headphones <laughs> on, I was like. I can't hear very well right now. Right. You know, just hear the rumbling of the plane, which uh, that movie, you know, I don't know if you've like, you know, read anything about it or I anything, have, but yeah. uh, the audio, even in perfect situation, perfect setting is al- is already like a controversial topic with that movie. Right. So uh, right. anyways, yeah, I, I'm really, I'm looking forward to watching it again because the first time I was just like, that's Wait, what I heard. What of people complaining? <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know what they're saying. Well, you're, I don't know. You're not supposed to. Yeah, and, exactly. Know, and, right. Yeah. And when people complain or they, you know, they have some kind of comment on something, that's fine. You know, you have your opinion, but at the end of the day, you go make one. You know, yeah, it's exactly. Like, why don't right. you go make the movie? Yeah. No <laughs> so. kidding. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, I'm just like super curious about where you get your style from because I think uh, when I watch your when I watch your stuff on YouTube. I mean, your your style just jumps off the screen as it's so different from everything else that you see on YouTube. And it's it's almost funny because, you know, there's so much, in my opinion, there, there are so many channels that kind of do the whole filmmaking camera related niche or niche type stuff. Um, I myself obviously am, am a part of that. And yours just has such a different like pacing even even the music that you choose, you know, in the background is I can tell obviously very intentional. Has the you know, instead of just kind of like the you know your classic like hype music, you know, you right. you you choose these these beautiful scores that play underneath. And anyways, I I just I I love that. I'm super just curious about that. Um, with the whole even minimalism thing, that is something that I've really been so fascinated with over the last couple of years and you know matt diavella is a huge reason because of for that Mm -hmm. um and and as i started to watch his videos and then i started to actually watch his films i was like wow you know this 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 minimalism idea is 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 so fascinating not only just in life and in material objects but uh how you can i guess apply that to your creative life as well your digital life um what what are you, what are your thoughts on just kind of minimalism as a whole and and you know take that wherever you want yeah i mean i think it's great um we uh we watched the documentary minimalism whenever it came out i can't remember now it was forever ago yeah. and i want to say a week or two later my wife and i were both you know we were uh we took the pill you know we drank the Kool-Aid <laughs> right, and we, right. we we had always kind of i think it was hidden in there somewhere that we both were much more about just simplicity. Um, and so 
like anything starts, you know, you want to just go through everything and figure out what you can get rid of and, and, and just declutter and whatever. And so you do that. And I think that gives you a lot of energy and you feel good about yourself. But I think years down the road, as we continue this lifestyle and we also continue it, or I continue it as a filmmaker, um, it, it just, it helps in so many ways. Um, I think for me specifically is less stuff does really, uh, it, it just, you're not going to think so much. I think we've heard that a lot, but it really does. It really does help you not contemplate the shot or con you know, what lens, what camera, two cameras, three cameras, like, how are we going to do this? And you just, you can really, you know, weigh yourself down with too many ideas and maybe not ideas, but just too many different scenarios. And so, uh, keeping things simple makes the process a little bit faster, I think. Um, but it also, it's just really nice to, I don't know, look around sometimes be like, we don't have anything. I don't yeah. know. It's just, it's kind of <laughs> right. nice. Like, you know, you look at it like if you look at our living room, we have a couch, a TV, that's on this little stand that we've had since uh, we've had it for like 10 years. Nice. We have a lamp. There's nothing else in our living room. Nothing. Like there's a huge open space. There's no coffee table. And we just love that. We know it's weird. You know, if people come over, I'm sure they're, you know, this is odd. It doesn't look like you have anything, but it really does make you not have to concentrate on so many things. I don't know. It's just like this uh, subconscious thing thinking that's going on in your head that you probably don't even realize sometimes right. it's happening because there's just not stuff everywhere. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, when I first started just kind of educating myself on it, I remember people saying things like, ah, oh, you know, just these distractions. Right. And I never personally, I, I just never thought of like physical things as distractions before. But once you do start trying to kind of put it in that frame of mind, you're like, and, and then you start to see it on the other side where you're like, wow, okay, we, we did get rid of a lot of these like knickknacks or clothes that I haven't worn literally in two years. Mm -hmm. It does just feel, there is a certain sense of like, when I go to grab a coat, even that decision, I'm not even thinking about it. I'm just grabbing my coat, right? right. Like I'm not trying to pick through seven different options that I could have. And, and that, that's obviously a pretty small example, but, uh, yeah, man. So, cause my wife and I were, were a lot, a lot in the same way where we kind of took the pill, um, started binging a ton of content on minimalism and for like several weekends in a row, as that happened, we were just filling up garbage bags of like our clothing, you know, to, to <laughs> take, to, to donate or whatever. And, you know, several garbage bags full of, of, of just stuff, you know, and we haven't even been married that long, but we're like, oh my gosh, look at how much we've just compiled in this short time. Um, and, and now, yeah, when I look at our living room, it's like, okay, it's pretty, pretty bare bones, but it, it, it feels good. It feels right. You know, it doesn't feel unhomey because you don't have a lot of these, like, you know, just things that to fill up space, you know, but, um, w one of your videos, right. You, you made, uh, it was just called minimalism 2021. Right. And you started talking about kind of like digital min minimalism and whatnot. Uh, take me down what that looks like in your in your digital life in terms of like your phone, your computer, all that stuff. Yeah, I made uh, I did a digital uh, minimalism. I did one 
a couple of years ago. And then I, I, I think it was like 2019 and I'm like, okay, I'll, you know, I'll do it like an update or whatnot. Um, and I was super inspired by Craig Adams. I don't know if you watch any Craig Adams. Yeah. So, um, did I have Craig on the podcast? Yeah. I had Craig Adams on oh, nice. my podcast. Yeah. And then we actually, we met like a couple of years ago, we had lunch and said, Hey, I mean, he's a great, you know, he, he great guy. And he's really, another East coast guy, right? Uh, yeah. Well, he's all over the place. Yeah, I guess yes. that's true. Yeah. yeah all yeah, over the place. But yeah. Um, we, uh, or I, um, started to look at, yeah, everything digital and I was already doing some things, uh, and not even knowing it. So the first thing was my phone is just to look at, you know, what are we doing on it? Why are we using it for X, Y, and Z? And, you know, one of the first things was getting off Facebook, uh, which was super easy because we all, you know, th- it was yep. in 2016 during the political craziness and it right. was very easy to get off Facebook and never went back, never went back. Um, and then uh, more recently, I uh, taken a break on Instagram, Twitter. I actually got rid of everything social media on my phone and technically YouTube is a search engine. So yeah, right. There you go. Loophole. (laughs) Um, uh, but as far as, you know, as you know, in video, you know, you're working with so much files and all this storage. And, you know, if you're doing photography, you have thumbnails and there's just so much stuff. And, uh, I have adopted, and this scares everybody to death most of the time. You know, if I'm working on a project, let's say it's some client project. Well, if it's talked about or said up front that, you know, maybe a year from now or whatever it is that we may need some footage or whatever it is, then, okay, then maybe, you know, I save some stuff or whatnot. But when I finish a project, whether it's YouTube, whether it's anything else, I may keep a couple of clips. Like if one stands out that I really like, and I'm thinking, okay, maybe six months from now, I'm going to want to, I want the original clip, not the graded final, whatever. I'll keep it. Other than that, it's gone. I, wow. I just, I put it in the trash can and I let it be. I have two hard drives in my closet that I only plug in when I want to dump something that I want to keep. Um, other than that, I try to be as free as possible with that. Um, and it hasn't affected me ever. So, uh, I think the tough part for, for a lot of us is letting go. Cause you're always like, I might need this. I may need this same with gear. It's the same thing. And I actually did this today. I do this all the time. Uh, I go through random stuff and if I need it anymore, I recently just upgraded and got a new computer and there was some like adapter things that I'd used before. I don't need them anymore. Uh, and so I get rid of it. Maybe, old lights, whatever. And I just, I either give it away or sell it for super cheap because I've gotten plenty of use out of it. Um, but going back to the digital thing, um, it really is nice to have less files. Uh, it's a lot nicer to go on your phone knowing that Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, that none of it's on there and that I'm pretty much using it as a phone and for my emails. That, right. I mean, for the most part, you know, I try to do as much as I can at the computer. And I'm also, I'm not really big at, you know, when I'm working, like let's say today, you know, I, I spend my day 
at the computer regardless. But once I'm sort of done with whatever I'm doing, I do not come back to the computer usually that night or, you know, till the next day. And I really try to make that intentional to, you know, step away from things, um, to have that's, that balance. That's really interesting. Okay. So you, you put some pretty strict boundaries on your like work time then. I try to. Yes. Yeah. It sometimes, you know, it, sometimes it doesn't, sometimes I get excited about something yeah, and, you know, I'm, I'm editing till, you know, midnight, but for the most part, I just have a specific time and I sort of, you know, set it. And, and no, I love that. That's, that's so cool. Uh, we, so for me, I have certainly done a lot of what you're talking about in the digital world. So, you know, old photos, old video clips, you know, I just, just delete them when I, when I am right. done with the project. And I, I started doing this, uh, when I made the jump over to final cut and I don't, I don't know if those things are necessarily connected, but I just was like, all right, you know what, as I'm done with this project, I don't really need it anymore. And if I do need it, I could just download the video from whatever. Um, it's only bit me in the butt a few times and not like, you know, dramatically where I was like, I absolutely needed this clip. It was more so just, I wanted to pull that clip up and like color it again in my new style or whatever. Mm -hmm. But other than that, same with photos, same with, uh, you know, physical things, gear and whatnot. I I've certainly gotten rid of a lot. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, like I said, it, it's, it's come up just a, maybe a handful of times where I was like, Oh, I wish I had that still. But for the most part, I'm so glad that I don't have to deal with it anymore. So, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I, 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 I certainly endorse uh, what you're what you're saying there. There's there's and, just so much upkeep to everything. I mean, yeah, that's, that's a big part too. Is if you own multiple cameras and multiple lights, if you're using them, I think that's amazing. That's great. If you're if you're busy, and there's obviously plenty of us out there that are that are doing that. Yeah. But um, as I'm moving towards doing specific types of work. I personally only need certain equipment. So if I need those other lights or a different camera or certain lenses, well, I'll work that in with the client or whatever the project is to rent that gear um, because I don't want it sitting around my house, you know, six days a right. week and I'm not even True. touching it. So, uh, yeah. Even So even though you're, uh, you know, minimalist, are you are you a gear person though? I love gear, of course. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> I follow everything. I like to keep up with what I can, you know, um, but it doesn't uh, make me want to, you know, buy everything yeah. that comes out because I think, and we all go through that phase and I don't fault anybody for that, um, that, you know, they want to get their hands on, mm -hmm. you know, a new camera came out or a new lens. Um, but when you start to really pay attention to, what's truly important with what you're producing or creating it it's not so much about the camera and the lens and the brand new gimbal and uh, you know for youtube um you know doing a review or showing you know having your community or subscribers whatever it is uh watch you and they're trusting you know your judgment on using whatever the gear is and and taking your opinion and they're going to go purchase it that that that's one thing and that carries its right. own weight um but as far as just buying gear to have the gear just cuz it's new um uh yeah I've never really been into that I mean I over the years I mean I I don't I think I, I, honestly my latest camera that I've been 
the Blackmagic uh, Pocket 6K was probably the first camera that I bought brand new, maybe ever. I don't think oh, I've really? ever even bought a brand. I think I've always bought wow. them secondhand because it just makes sense. Like, yeah. okay, it works. It's it cheaper. Works. Yeah, right. Why not? You know, and um, yeah. And I've so, done that with lenses. I've, I've never actually done that with a camera before. Have you? So you were shooting on the A7S II before? The A7S II, yeah. And was and that used? It was, yep. Yeah. Okay. And the person who had it before me wasn't even using it for video. Nice. They was taking photos. Oh, so, weird. Which was kind of weird, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So I'm just curious, Nick. Uh, I guess I should have probably done this at the beginning, <laughs> but whatever. Uh, what, what's what's your background when it comes to filmmaking? I know you had mentioned that you kind of started doing it in your early like teenage years with friends and whatnot, but uh, yeah, what kind of what's the story behind how you became a filmmaker? So in high school, um, this is uh, 2001. Um, but it was probably 2000, I think it was my sophomore year. So like 2002, somewhere around there. Uh, my, the high school that I went to, I was lucky and lucky or lucky or not lucky enough to go to the high school that my mom graduated from my uncle. Oh, wow. Uh, and then my mom is a teacher at this high school and then she was the librarian. So when I came to high school, all the teachers already knew who I was, the principal, everybody. So, uh, and my mom was the librarian and behind the library connected to the library was the like AV department and uh, the teacher, which he wasn't really, a t he was a teacher to me, but he really wasn't a teacher. Um, his name is uh, Mr. Greenfield. And uh, they used to do the morning announcements back there. They had a little studio and everything. I mean, it was, it was eye opening for me as like a 15 year old kid. And, uh, I remember just being curious about it, but not having any education, not knowing anything about it. And one day somebody couldn't do the announcements or whatever it was. And I was like, oh yeah, I'll do it. And then I was hooked. So it originally nice. started as me being in front of the camera in high school, you know, doing these morning announcements. And then I learned how to edit. I was introduced to an Apple computer, very first Apple computer uh, for me, which was the old egg iMac, the old school, like, oh, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. original iMac, yeah. And so, I uh learned iMovie, and when f the original Final Cut came out, and then uh, I started learning how to use a toaster, which I forgot what it stands for, but it's what I don't know if they still use these uh programs anymore, but ABC, ESPN, a lot of live sporting events use them or live news, uh, and it's just like overlay to, stuff. Yeah, it's like gotcha. It's ridiculous too. I I don't. I'm pretty sure they don't use stuff like this anymore. But I got really invested in learning all this stuff, and um, that's really honestly that mixed with um, my parents letting me probably watch movies that I shouldn't growing up. Right. You know, whatever, pretty much anything I wanted. Those two things combining uh, probably sparked that. And, uh, but I, I, I feel like I just talked about this recently that looking back, I still don't know where that moment came where I really was like, oh man, this is what I wanted to do because I went through a bunch of different phases like we all do, but I, uh, taught myself, I was always a performer, uh, but I taught myself how to play guitar in high school and I ended up, 
playing out for a few years and, you know, thought, Ooh, maybe this is something like I'm going to, I'm going to be a musician, but wasn't really, didn't have the passion for the writing part of that. So, um, I kind of needed to make a decision at some point. And that's when, you know, I think I said, okay, I think behind the camera, well, you know, filming stuff and, and whatever that's going to bring, that's what I want to do. Um, and I just went for it. Uh, and it did, you know, I think for me, it took, it took a long time, at least in my eyes, took till I was maybe now, you know, I'm going to be 34 this year. And I want to say, you know, probably last year was, you know, when I started to really, uh, understand where I wanted to go and the direction that I see myself going, not just this blind, you know, I'm going to film stuff and do whatever. Um, I really, really, really want to, uh, produce work that, uh, that I believe in. And, uh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. So did you then after high school, did you go to film school or college of, of any kind? So I, uh, I was in a uh, really bad relationship for like almost four years in high school and then out of high school. And I had the opportunity to go to Full Sail in Orlando way back then. But of course, because I had a girlfriend and I was young and stupid, I'm like, I don't need to go to Full right. Sail. Oh, like, man. I'm not doing that. Um, which, you know, even in hindsight, I, I now I probably still make the same decision even with the knowledge I have now. But, uh, so no, I went to community college. Um, I went to St. St. Petersburg college and I am, I want to say like literally one or two classes short of even getting a degree. That's how bad of a student I am. Uh, and so I, I went to, went to school, nothing to do with filmmaking at all. And, um, worked a lot of retail jobs, uh, managed a subway restaurant, worked for a place called pants town for 10 years, almost on and off, which was like a family owned, uh, business. Um, sounds exciting. Not my family. Um, and it wasn't until, uh, the job that I took to get us up here that really changed everything. Um, and was that the producer role at, at, at the church? Exactly. Yeah. And that's what, you know, was that I originally thought, you know, Ooh, this is this dream opportunity to do what I want to do. And it was for a, a period of time. And then, uh, that road was ending and it was time to really see what was next. And, um, and yeah, so it's been this really weird, weird journey. Um, but I don't think it's ever over. That's it. Just it just keeps going. Right, and new things right. happen, and uh, yeah. Hmm. So throughout all of your just different jobs and and going to school and everything, were you making films during that time? Even though it wasn't like your real job. Yeah. So I did uh, a bunch of short films that nobody's ever seen. Uh, and you know, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, I've done just really bad, like horror movies. Like nice. I feel like everybody when they're young, tries yeah. to make a horror movie. Uh, you can I play with blood, film, man. Exactly. I made a <laughs> film called American idiots with a group of my buddies that, uh, you know, sort of this jackass meets yeah. Tom green, and prank calls. It's, it was all okay. this kind of combination of things. <laughs> nice. 
And I, I, uh, it was on two DVDs. It was a two-hour movie. Wow. Uh, it was never on YouTube or anything like that. Only like, I still have a copy of it, but it's like a handful of people have even really seen it. Um, and then I did, the, the first really big thing that I did was uh, one of my really good friends, his name's Jake Troyley, uh, and he's like this incredible, incredible artist, and he's in Chicago now. Um, but he and I met because he is, I want to say two, three years younger than me. Yeah. I think he turns 30 this year. Uh, he, uh, it was a basketball player, uh, and I was a basketball player, but not even, not nowhere near what Jake, Jake could have played in the NBA. Uh, and I was the announcer for my high school team. Even after high school, I would would announce the games and we had, we all, we had a really, really good team for like three, four years in a row. So it was really exciting to, to be able to do that. And so we stayed connected after that. And, uh, Jake came back home after he finished, uh, college and uh he had a gallery opening his first one and i said um i would love to do like a little artist profile like just like a five minute thing whatever and so uh we shot that and that was on a canon t2i there you go brutal yeah um if you see it now it's just so bad but uh so we shot that and while we were doing that uh we were trying to figure out what is something that we could do together, like some kind of collaborative project. And uh, St. Pete has this very big homeless population. And, uh, and so we decided, how can we, what are we going to do? We don't, we don't necessarily want to be like a helping the homeless type thing, but we want to hear the stories of these people and like, why are they out here? So, we planned this whole thing. We launched a Kickstarter to raise money for mm. equipment, um, the gallery st- costs, because um, we wanted to have an exhibit. And then a big chunk of that was to give back to these people, you know, whether yeah. any kind of socks, whatever, you know, toothpaste and things like that. Um, and so we did it. We just, we went out. Um, and were you able to, to raise money for that then? We did. Yeah. We, we successfully got the Kickstarter and, uh, forgot to mention my buddy Jake is nearly, he's like six ten. So, okay. I'm, and I'm like five, eight. So it's this nice. really, really weird <laughs> juxtaposition. And so we would go out on the street and, uh, we would approach homeless people. And of course, Nine times out of ten, they were down to to chit chat. Mm-hmm. They first wanted to ask Jake if he played basketball, of right? Course. Of course. Uh, and so we shot this over the course of two or three months, and uh, we interviewed over more probably twenty people, but we narrowed it down to about twelve, and we made this like forty five minute documentary that was uh, that was very raw, and. Uh, just really like really raw and rough like it was you know me and you talking and then it would just be like some b-roll and it would cut to the next (laughs) you know interview yeah and uh that for us was a really successful project we had uh an opening night we had um oh the other piece of this was not just the film but my buddy he did illustrations of all the people that we interviewed so all these people they were in in the gallery and then we had a showing and then we did a q a um and then it went up on youtube uh maybe like six months after that and it amassed like i've recently taken it down uh made it unlisted but it was like 
know, half a million views or something. It was of oh, course, wow. the most watched video on my or thing on my channel because right. you know homelessness attracts you know everybody yeah, sure. wants that chime in. Um, and so that was a big project uh, for us. And then, oh gosh, after that, it was just a bunch of little things, um, uh, just things with, uh, I had a buddy who started a clothing line, uh, years back and I actually shot this three part short film, uh, with an iPhone 4S, uh, at the time that I had all rigged up. It was interesting. Um, and it does not hold up anymore, but at the time it was really cool. Yeah. Um, and then fast forward to, um, I did some really cool stuff when I was at the church, but fast forward to after that and more recently, about two years ago, I started uh, writing a film with a friend uh, who I met doing my podcast that I did before. Her name's Diane, uh, Diana, and uh, we wrote this really abstract film over the course of like a year and a half, and it's called All of Ours. And uh, it was, the original idea was to kind of have these individual scenes and and have these different people playing kind of the same character each scene was individual but everybody was playing kind of one individual so you could identify in any way you wanted it wasn't this fluid uh kind of narrative it was very like all over the place um the pandemic really kind of halted production on that unfortunately uh but because of the nature of the production and the way we approached it we were able to still uh take what we did which was about 75% completed and i was able to still make some make a film out of that without even shooting some of these other scenes because the film could kind of stand alone and not, not need that. Um, and that was a huge, you know, I wouldn't say as far as a success on, you know, how many people have had eyes on it, but for me personally, uh, to bring together almost like I was 40 something people, none, none, none of them were actors. None of them had any experience in front of a camera and for them to be vulnerable, um, and, uh, and do things that they probably normally wouldn't like get paint thrown on them. Or in my case, I stepped in and, uh, did a therapy scene where I am honest and I talk about real life, uh, in it. So, um, so yeah, I guess, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I wasn't able to watch the entire film yet just cause I, was skimming through your channel, you know, by 30 minutes before we hopped on and right. and started I started watching it and I was like, wow, this is this is really really good and I I you know, instantly kind of got on board with with the uh the, the the narrative, I guess, of the of the film. Um but one thing that I was so just really impressed by was everything beyond just the visual aspect aspect. So all of the music, uh, the sounds, the the coloring—I mean, just everything about it seemed to be at a at an extremely high level. So, did you do all of the post on that? Yes. Yeah, so, wow. Um, thank you, by the way, because yeah, it just yeah, it definitely uh, definitely feel good to to hear that when people yeah when they mention you know that it. That I mean the the sound the sound level. effects were unbelievable. I mean, there's this one scene I can't remember where it was, but. Uh, I mean, it really felt like an actual 
like feature film with the with just the the high quality bass rumbling in the in in there i was just like wow you know you don't find this on freesounds.org you know like this is this is pretty pretty legit yeah so i yes i uh shot 99 percent of it of one of my good friends caleb uh directed one of the scenes and shot uh the therapy scene because i couldn't you know be behind the camera. Um, but yeah, I, I DP'd, you know, the whole thing. I edited it, uh, by myself. Um, my, my other, you know, co-creator, she obviously, uh, but she's in Puerto, she's been in Puerto Rico for a while now. So we've kind of had, we had this back and forth kind of like what we're doing. Sure. Uh, once a week we'd kind of, I'd update her on where we're at and I'd show her stuff. Um, but yeah, the music, oh, there's so many things with that project that, you know, I am very, very passionate about music, definitely. Um, and I hope, you know, like you had mentioned that that does, you know, I like that that stands out, in, yeah, it whether did. it's my YouTube work or even in this film. So originally we had a band, a group of musicians that were going to make all the music for the movie. But then COVID happened. And so a lot of these people got spread out all over the country and it wasn't going to happen. So luckily we changed everything. And I said, okay, we're going to release this on YouTube because why not? And that gave me the flexibility to sit down and go on music bed, art list and spend hours just trying to find the right songs for yeah. this for for each scene that uh that, that felt right um and then i think yeah a lot of the sound effects either from honestly it's nothing crazy i think some of them are probably from art list some uh are probably from like adobe's free sound yeah, effects yeah, download right. uh nothing nothing too uh fancy sometimes i manipulated them you know a little bit um well, but, I was going to say, and I mean, yeah, I mean, just downloading the effect is one thing, but I think what really stood out to me was, and it makes sense that you have a background in music is, you, I mean, you can just tell when, when people's work, it just, it stands out. You, you can tell that there's a certain level of quality that is different from just downloading the file, inserting it there, you know? Right. So, um, yeah, no, seriously, man, job well done. And I'm excited to watch the rest of it after this, but, um, awesome. Yeah, yeah, and I, at the end, at the end of the movie, when the credits roll, there's a song at the end, and that is the only thing that we have from the band. It's okay. this really raw recording, so nice. you'll know it. You'll know right, it when right. you hear it. But yeah, very cool. Um, well, yeah, I do. I mean, we've kind of hopped back and forth a little bit so far, but I'd love to actually spend some time and talk about your YouTube channel, your approach to things. Um, you know, I'm sure people can you know, obviously either watch your videos or if they're just listening to this can tell that you have uh, a pretty just calm presence about you, which I love that, man. I think that, again, I think that's so uh, different from the typical stuff that you see and consume on YouTube where it's all about, you know, just catch your attention, try to, you know, just blast you with, with, with craziness, right? Um, right. you have such a, a different approach to things. And, um, I'm just curious, did you, when you decided to either start your YouTube channel or like you mentioned, uh, within the last year, put a huge priority on your YouTube channel, did you ever feel any sort of like pressure or, um, just sense of this is how it's done. So I, this is how I need to do it. Uh, 
in the sense of kind of being that typical like YouTuber dude where it's, you know, just in your face, EDM so, music, the whole deal, you know? Yeah. So I, um, way back, you know, and this is still, these videos are all on my channel. If you go back to, I forgot what year it is now, but I did vlogs. So this again was after we had moved to Virginia and I was working a full-time job and I just needed another outlet because, you know, work is work. And even though it was exciting, I still wanted something else. And it was around whatever time this was that I really dived in and loved, and we all love Casey Neistat. And so I was always, you know, every vlog I'm watching, right? And so I thought, hey, I'm going to do this, you know? And I, th yeah, right. I know a lot of us, we definitely tend to, you know, copying somebody, you know, it is, you know, one of the whatever biggest forms of, you know, flattery. Right. And so I was like, you know what, this, I'm going to do this. I'm not going to do daily vlogs, but I'm going to record stuff over the course of a week. I'll edit it on Sundays and I'll put it out. I committed whenever I started, it was somewhere in like the middle of the year. I said, okay, I'm definitely going to do it to the end of the year. I'm going to commit. I'm just going to do it every week. See what happens. Of course, no one cared, right? Not, yeah. No one cared. Yeah. Now, my wife loves it because she can go back and look at this stuff years later, and it is a lot of fun. But as far as building an audience on YouTube, no one cared because wh who am I, right? All yeah, of a what sudden, is there's just these right. vlogs on some guy. And so uh, when I finished out doing whatever it was, like I ended up doing so many of them, I don't know. But uh, then there was this kind of weird, it wasn't weird, but there was like a gap of, uh, I wanted to get a little more serious, but still didn't have all the time. So I would periodically do a couple of uploads here and there. And, um, maybe back then, maybe three years ago or whatnot, maybe I was, you know, trying to do more of that typical YouTube thing. Um, I'd have to go back and really watch some of, some of the old stuff, but I, you know, I love, I like Peter McKinnon. I like, you know, Matty Hapoya. I, I watch all of those guys, mm -hmm. but I am not a, f I'm as much as I like them. And I even Casey, I'm not a fan of that type of music, that type of, uh, the, the editing and in the way it's done. It's not how I would do it. I'd like watching it. I don't mind watching it, but I have always tried to be much more simple and that's just my, that's just how I am. I just want it to be a little more simple. Um, and I guess I want to make sure that everything I'm doing uh, is kind of a reflection of what I would be making. So yeah. even if, you know, it's like my talking head shots, you know, they, I, they're always different They're You know, the color's always different. Uh, you know, maybe it's a little softer, a little sharper, a little more grain, a little more this or that. I always am just manipulating and doing things a little bit different because I don't think that, you know, that we should keep this pattern of uh, over and it's just like rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat. Um, and I guess I have, the only thing I've probably struggled with, I think, as far as figuring that out is, um, and I think, you know, uh, the current times make it even more difficult, but it is trying to make sure and figure out, okay, when I'm making a video, whatever it is I'm talking about, that I am staying on 
my brand kind of a yeah, thing sure. and just right. and making sure that I'm not uh yeah going away from that or if like a company reaches out or a, a product or something and they say hey will you make a video or try this out or anything like that that you know because I've said no to some stuff like that because like oh ooh, this is cool somebody recognized me but yeah right like, that's, that has <laughs> nothing to do with me um but yeah I don't know I think like I maybe I don't think so much about the look and the feel as people have asked, they've asked, you know, how did you decide to yeah, do it right. this way? Um, I just love film. I love movies. I love old movies, new movies. And I love that look and that feel unapologetically. Like I will always lean, I will pick a film look over that digital, uh, crispy, you know, all the colored lights and all the, you know, I, I, appreciate it and watch it and I know how difficult it is to have those setups and, and get it to be perfect um, but I tend to just go with the flow and uh, you know I typically have one light I use as much natural light as possible and um, I just go yeah your, your your look always definitely has a very light and I mean in terms of like the saturation almost just a very light look to it which mm-hmm. I, I, I love that Um I guess kind of where I was going with that and part of the reason I was just curious is because, I mean, I myself have certainly, I mean, so I watched Casey Neistat, not like prime Casey Neistat. Like I kind of came on to the whole YouTube scene, even just like consuming YouTube content. I feel like I came on pretty late. Like I, I only started watching YouTube regularly, uh, you know, maybe four or five years ago. And so actually like Peter McKinnon was like my version of everybody else's like Casey Neistat, you know, mm-hmm. um, I wasn't, man, like, I mean, I'm not going to like go into my whole story here, but anyways, my, like when I first started watching Peter McKinnon, I was like, this is amazing. Like I am, I was instantly hooked from the very first video that I watched of his. And when I decided that I wanted to start making YouTube videos, I didn't even do this consciously at the time but like totally you know subconsciously and nobody will ever watch this video like i i posted it and you know 50 people watched it or whatever but i will never let anybody else ever watch this video uh i mean i literally like copied his intro like not the whole what's up but you know the whole like just like hey you know what's up guys michael amsel you know just that that style that that energy and then at the you know making the whole like sound effects when you're moving your can you know just that everything that is his brand i did that subconsciously later on realized it didn't like it and then for for honestly quite a long time just kind of i don't know if struggled is the right word but just kind of like battled with this with this uh problem of wanting to be myself on Mm -hmm. camera uh, wanting to make videos the way that i want to make videos but also um just being so influenced by every other thing that i see and i i had uh i don't know if you've if you've heard of mark steiner but i i had him as a guest on my first episode of the podcast and uh kind of asked him the same question because i'm so curious when i when i see people who in my mind come across like so authentic, so genuine, so real to who they are. I am just personally very impressed by that because at least I know, uh, in my own life that that was, that, that that's been a challenge, you know, to, to kind of balance that. Yeah, no, I agree. Definitely. I think that, um, 
it's so easy. And again, I don't think it's the wrong way to approach it because, you know, when you're learning all these new tricks and, you know, editing and all these different things, uh, of course, like you're, you want to, to replicate the stuff that you really like. Um, I, I think that there's a time for that, you know, I don't know what that length is, but I think there's a period of time where we all do that. Um, and we're always trying to find wh- who are we, what's our style, what's our feel and look. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It, it's interesting. Like, you know, there's so many, whatever, Peter copycats yeah. or whoever they're out there, but maybe, you know, that's just that that's them too. You know, that's what they really like and that's their representation of, of who they are. Um, and, and, you know, every once in a while you get like a, uh, a random, uh, really interesting person out of that, like a Daniel Schiffer, right. who I feel right. like is very much similar, but also changed the game completely with, yeah, 100%, with, his, right. with his style. And so um, I guess on my end, I have just stayed the course. I'm not, you know, I'm going to keep doing it the way I'm doing it. And, uh, you know, it slowly, you know, it has just slowly started to pay right, off as far right. as a, a community actually starting to keep coming back and, and be excited, you know, about content. So well, I, I think people, I don't know, people are smart, right? And I, right. I think, I think they, they can tell when somebody is being themselves or when somebody's not being themselves. And, um, I don't know. I just, the one, the, something that I just love about YouTube, and I guess you could say this about like social media as a whole, but I don't know. YouTube's a little different. One thing that I just love about it is um, you will attract people that are kind of similar to yourself or mm-hmm. they, they, they like your style, you know, and it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a good feeling to know that there are people out there who uh, love filmmaking, they love YouTube, and they will, happily be a part of a channel that isn't necessarily you know peter or casey or maddie or whatever which again like you said i love all those guys i love watching all those videos but uh yeah that's not everybody's that's not everybody's thing um have you ever seen uh danny gewurz oh yep yeah yeah you know so one thing that i love about him and so he's got a few videos from way back in the day when he first started, you know, making stuff on YouTube. I'm sure like everybody, he's archived a bunch too, but at least the stuff that's on there, like the oldest videos, you can totally see. And he, you know, he's talked about this, but you can totally see like him trying to be that guy. Absolutely. Right. Yep. And I love that he actually keeps that up there because it, it like encourages me to be like, okay, cool. Like other people have done this, have I've struggled along this like journey as well. So Anyways, if if anybody hasn't uh, watched some of his earliest videos, like it, it's it's so funny, like because I know that if he's watching them, he's probably cringing so hard. Oh, definitely, no <laughs> you doubt. Know? But uh, yeah. yeah. Anyway, anyways, man. Um, one of the first few videos that I saw of yours, gosh, I'm trying to remember. I don't remember the exact one, but I remember the content was something to do with like S Log Two um okay. or you know something maybe it was the phantom lutz yeah it was, it, it was the, something i've i've seen that one for sure i don't know there there there's a bunch of them yeah yeah <laughs> i'm obsessed with um just finding the right like settings finding the right profiles uh for you know not the right one but at least the right one that for that fits my style 
Uh, and for the longest time, I never shot an S-Log2 because, you know, all those videos out there that say, oh, you can't do this on 8-bit camera. And then right. I'd see your your videos are like, that looks pretty good to me. You know, <laughs> what, what is, you know, so um, I know you don't shoot on Sony anymore. And this is kind of my long drawn out way of kind of going into the whole black magic uh, conversation of things. But um, so you shoot on the 6K. Mm-hmm. And how long have you been shooting on that camera for? This, uh, oh man, I guess like six to eight months, something okay. around there. Yeah. Uh, like what made you, what made you do that? Go over there. So, uh, way back in 2012, I think it was, or 2011 is when the original Black yeah. Magic Pocket came out. Uh, and so I got one back then and, okay. uh, I, loved it. I, Such a good I, image. Yeah. So the reason I got it back then was, you know, that name, obviously, you know, I was much younger. I saw, Ooh, cinema camera, this little thing, it doesn't exist anywhere else. There's no other company making anything like this and, and so, and affordable. And so I got, I got that camera and, uh, loved it. I mean, I, I really, really, really loved it. Uh, it kind of had, you know, a shelf life for sure. Um, just, you know, such a small sensor and you know there was some there was some limitations on it for sure oh i mean it specifically only shot in 24 frames or 30 um and uh the workflow back then was definitely a little more clunky and uh and so after that i spent time with you know a lot of different canon cameras and uh and then when i got the sony that was my first uh like real Sony camera. Well, I mean, if you go all the way back to like the mini DV, but right. uh, the A7S II, the decision I, the reason I bought that camera at the time was because of the the form factor uh, that I could just run around and, and shoot stuff. And for the time period that I had it, I, I mean, it's one of the best cameras ever. And I, and I think even to this day, you know, like the A7S III and, and these other cameras that are coming out, they're all just, it's ridiculous. I mean, just what's inside these things. Um, I swear but, though, not to, sorry to interrupt, but I swear good. there's something about the, the look to the a7s2 camera. Like there's a few cameras out there that have kind of come along. Uh, and specs wise, obviously there are cameras that are much better than the a7s2 these days, but man, there's something about that image that I just, I love it, man. Yeah, the definitely the sensor on that was just so much different than than any even the a, not the A seven S three but the A seven three that right. came you know it just was not quite the same. Um, but when uh, the A seven S three was announced and you know the Canon R three or five or you know all yeah. these cameras <laughs> are being announced, uh, the the Pocket six K had already been out you know for for a little bit and uh, I just was really missing that film look that yeah. cinema you know i think the a7s2 or any of the any other camera you can always achieve this stuff I, I don't think it doesn't matter what you're shooting on you can do it it might you know take a little more work but there was something about black magic that uh the color science was just so specific and the workflow was very specific as well. And so uh, I really just wanted to jump back into that. And I really like that that rig style setup. Uh, I spent, you know, a few years pretty much on a gimbal. Like uh, the, the movie All of Ours, that was 
almost I, every scene but one was shot on the A7S2. One scene was actually shot with the pocket. You probably wouldn't. You won't even. You won't even be able to tell. Uh, but um, literally shot most of my work with that camera on a gimbal. And so switching to Black Magic, I change my approach completely. I shoot a lot more, uh, handheld, uh, but with a, with a 15 to 20 pound rig, you know, uh, instead of the gimbal. And, uh, I don't know what that decision was. I think that was just kind of to change things up, but you mean the decision to go like just to handheld? just shoot. Yeah. To shoot differently. Uh, cause I was on a gimbal for just so many years yeah. and just, I re- I didn't maybe rely on it, but I, I kind of did. I just, yeah, right. it was so easy to throw it on autofocus and just, I could just shoot all day and just go. And so the black magic really makes you think a lot more about, uh, what you're composing, uh, but also gives you even more latitude in post. Um, because you know, now I'm shooting everything in raw. I'm shooting everything. 12 in B bit, raw yeah, right. Because, uh, I bought the camera. So obviously like I'm going to use the full capabilities. Um, you know, it's a little crazy because, you know, I upload a typical YouTube video is around 60 gigs, um, because I export in 422 HQ, uh, which I don't think is, you know, not everybody has to do that, but it's, there is a difference and you will see, you know, especially in film grain and uh, some of the highlights and stuff, they, it will make a difference. Cause a lot of people complain about, you know, YouTube's compression and their banding and stuff like that, but you can correct some of that, you know, doing tests on your own. Um, but yeah, I love the black magic. The, the user interface is, is way better than Sony. It's just, it, you can't beat it. It's a lot easier to, you get full control. You know, there's the menus are much simpler. Um, and so you can, yeah, go ahead. When, when you were, um, when you were making the purchase for the 6k, were you kind of debating between other cameras or other bodies? Not at all. Yeah. Right. When, uh, yeah, when I kind of, I, you know, thought about it for probably five seconds, I was like, okay, yeah, this is, this is the decision. Right. Um, because, the look and feel of it is just so much different than, uh, than anything else that's out there. And the form factor, you know, obviously I'd love to have a, you know, an Alexa mini, uh, you know, or some, you know, hundred thousand dollars setup, but for why, you know, it's, I basically could have the same thing as that. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I really, I, I tell people if they're looking for, for something, then there you go. Obviously, you got to rig it up, and that does that takes a lot more effort to to find all that other gear. Yeah, but, um, yeah. Well, part of the reason I'm so interested is because so I'm shooting on the A7 III right now. Have been for gosh, I don't know, almost th- three years basically since this came out. Um, and I've, I've I love that camera. It's as we kind of talked about earlier. It's so easy to get distracted by other just the, the new shiny toys that come out and you're like, Oh man, I wish I could do 4k 60 and I wish I could have, you know, 10 bit color and all that stuff. But sometimes I got to remind myself that man, when this camera came out, like we were all literally talking about, is this the best mirrorless right. camera that's ever been out there, especially for, you know, 2000 bucks or whatever. But, mm-hmm. um, anyways, I, I feel like I'm just really missing though. I'm just really missing that image quality of 
a cinema camera. Um, the, the, the work that I, or the, the company that I work for, uh, we recently just purchased an FX nine and, okay, nice. um, it's it's funny because you know it doesn't it doesn't really matter what camera you get if you don't know how to use it if you don't know how to light it you know it's all going to look like crap anyway so right. we're, we're we're you know we're all still just trying to experiment and figure out how to get get that camera to look so good but uh the few times that i've seen just a really beautiful image come out of it i'm like oh my gosh there's such a difference here um from a from a high-end cinema camera to you know entry-level mirrorless camera but Anyways, all that to say, the real reason I brought you on this podcast, uh, uh, <laughs> no, um, is because I'm seriously like looking into wanting to get a Blackmagic camera, um, and it's you know the the 6K Pro just came out, so I'm like, oh gosh, I just pony up the extra money and get that. But um, to be honest, I'm I'm looking more at the 4K actually right now. Just I mean, the price is so oh my god, so steal, cheap, dude. yeah. So. Uh, not only for me, <laughs> but for anybody who cares about this stuff, just kind of what what are your thoughts? I know you kind of obviously went into it already, but just kind of uh, thoughts coming out of a mirrorless body, mirrorless camera into an actual cinema camera. It, it's it's a big change, definitely. Uh, the biggest for I didn't mention this, and now I will. But um, I think you know I spent. A chunk of time, not only with the original pocket, but I shot with the Ursa, the, some of the the old Ursas, the old production okay. cinema cameras. I've shot in like all the different Black Magic, um, and so you know when you're in these the Sony world or the mirrorless world, for the most part, autofocus is a huge is a huge grab for most people, right? They just it, they want the ease of use. They want to be able to go out and forget about it. That was a big thing for me was to be able to go back to manual focus. I really, really, really like it. Um, but I guess if I wanted to focus on one thing, it is the latitude in post-production that, uh, the a7s2, uh, or any of the, you know, alpha cameras or even the FX, you know, well, maybe not the FX, but the alpha cameras, sure. they, you get some latitude, you know, and you, I you know at, at one for most of that time I was shooting with a Ninja five. And so I was recording to the Ninja. Okay. It, so you're getting um, four two two at least. And, uh, yeah. And so, uh, I had a little more latitude, but it wasn't, you could only go so far. Um, you could only push it as far as it, you know, could go with black magic and resolve. I just, you know, and I just released a video on this, you know, uh, plugin called Dehancer. Uh, that's only, it's only for Resolve, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but it, they give you, Resolve gives you just literally such finite control over your image. I mean, I can literally, you know, you always want to get it correct when you're shooting, of course, as close as you can. But the fact that, you know, now, even, you know, with some other cameras, but Blackmagic specifically, that I can, you know, right now I could just throw my camera up. I could roughly get it fine. You know, as long as I'm in focus, that's obviously the most important thing that you cannot fix in post. <laughs> right. um, you know, the white balance, the the ISO, the, the color temp, the white balance, all that stuff, you literally can change all of it when you sit down wow. and resolve. Right. And so... It, it's just an, it's a no brainer to be able to do that. If, if that's, what's most important, you know, uh, 
I guess, to, yeah, no, to Abel's workflow. Right. Um, the, the file sizes, of course, are ridiculous. Um, they really are massive, but it's worth it in the end because, I don't know, you look at, you look at what you've made and, you know, you're happy with it. And also you can just, you can tweak it, you know, so much and, and fine tune it. Um, I guess, I don't know. Uh, there's so many little things. I would say, you know, the new, that 6K Pro, I, I wasn't, I was not blown away by it. Uh, I think, you know, the internal NDs, I think are really cool. Of course, you have a lot of people talking about, you know, the color cast, not with yeah. the NDs, but on the monitor, I guess, right. that it's given a, you know, color. Hopefully they fix that, you know, pretty quickly. But um, things like that, internal NDs, a flip screen, I mean, none of those things really sway me to, you know, to, to get a new camera. I think the resolution wars are kind of done with for a while because God, every camera shoots, you know, 4k, 6k, whatever it is. Phones are um, doing 8k, man. Exactly. So <laughs> the resolution is over now. It's about the sensors and yeah. just how, how you can manipulate your image. Uh, and I think we're really, I mean, we're getting there. I can spend I'm such a nerd. I can, I can look at one clip and I can just, I could sit there and just mess with it and tweak it, right. and put different color in it. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. So I don't know if that answered the question. No, it does. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm really just trying to debate because, you know, all for about the same price, you know, you, right. Um, so you have the 4K, 6K, 6K Pro, and then because I'm so just like in the Sony ecosystem with lenses and everything, I'm like, oh, you know, what about the A7S III, you know, FX6, possible, you know, all that, all these options, right? Um, and for me, I'm like, okay, personally, I wouldn't buy the 6K right now because the 6K Pro is there um, just because it's like, well, it, I mean... ND filters alone could almost basically cost you 500 bucks and that, and right. then boom, right there, you you have the 6k pro. So right. at this point in time, because that is an option, I'm like, ah, it just doesn't make a ton of sense to do the 6k. So really I've just been debating like 6k pro or the 4k. And then it's like, man, to me, what really matters more than anything truly. And like the only thing that I care about is image quality. And I just don't know how much of a difference the 6K image quality is from the 4K. I mean, obviously, I understand higher resolution. And then even, um, you know, if you do want to shoot 4K on the 6K, you, you know, you're, I don't think you're, are you getting the whole, I don't know. I guess I don't yeah, know. About. So, yeah. So you, unless you are shooting in raw, um, you will not get, get the whole the, sensor. It'll, it'll, okay. it'll be Crop a in. mirrored sensor. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, I agree. I I completely agree. The one factor for me is the actual sensor. Um, like you know, I, Super Thirty Five, the, the, mic, the Micro Four okay, Thirds right. compared to Super Thirty Five. Um, that that one that reason right there uh, was probably the only deciding factor was just to be able to have a little bit of a bigger sensor. Yeah. Um, but as far as image quality, honestly, like if I had a four K right now and tomorrow I shot some stuff and put it side by side for you and showed it to you. Yeah. I right. doubt you'd be, I probably yeah. wouldn't even be able to tell the difference. So, um, it's all about who's got that camera in their hands and what they're doing with it. Like you said, we all could have a freaking, you know, a red, whatever, but <laughs> yeah. if you hand it to a 10 year old, it's going to look terrible. Yep. So, um, very true. 
I think the other thing is with so with any of these mirrorless or the big, uh, it, it's the it's ease of use as far as when I have my Sony. Let's say uh, you know, the, well, this is a real life example. Uh, what's what's today? Too? Anyway, I think it was yesterday or Monday, whatever it was. Uh, my wife and I went to went. We took like a day trip and like had a like ate had a picnic and stuff. And I was like, oh, I'm gonna shoot some stuff. I just got this. Uh, filter thing I need to mess with. And so, uh, but when I commit to something like that, it's, it's not like it was with the Sony where I literally could just bring my camera and the gimbal, I could throw it in the car right. or whatever with black magic. It's, you can make it that easy, but if you're going to do it the right way, you can't, you got the cage, you got the rig, you got the follow focus. You have your SSDs, the monitor. There's so many things that, and, and you have to rig it all up. You know, I'm not really, I'm not going to just set it in the car. So, you know, it all gets packed up and then you get there and you set it up. So it definitely takes a lot more time to get to shooting. So if for people's work, if it's much more, you know, about ease of use and being able to just run and gun, then obviously any of these, you know, Sony or Canon, you know, with, with the great autofocus and the fact that they have this built-in image stabilization, it, it, it really is amazing. Because even going back to the A7S II, the in-camera stabilization was just ridiculous. I mean, right. it, was, yeah. it was really good. So then they've only improved on it. Um, and uh, another thing is the shutter, is the pockets do not have a global shutter. Yeah, and so, right. If you're doing, you know, I have never had a problem with that, but obviously, you know, you go like this, <laughs> yeah. you're going to see some jello effect or if you're shooting NASCAR or something, I guess. Um, but other than that, like, yeah, that that's probably the, that's one downfall I think for some people as they say, well, it's got that rolling shutter and it's not great. It's like, well, what are you shooting? You know, are you all, if you're going to shoot something like that, maybe that, you know, get a different camera for yeah, that true. project. Um, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm so fascinated with, uh, the image that comes out of it. And ultimately the price is just, it's unreal. I mean, you, you, like you said, you have to rig it out. Uh, well, I guess you don't have to, but to get the most yeah. out of it, you got to rig it out. Um, and so, you know, the price does go up a little bit on that, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm just been super interested in the whole black magic world recently. Um, and, I don't know, like I've been kind of saying, I just, I'll, I'll keep my A7 III regardless. So if I ever do need to do some gimbal work or, you know, really need for whatever reason to rely on autofocus, I'll still have that option. But right. I just, I don't know, for some of the work that I want to be doing, even stuff just on YouTube, I just, I really am like craving after that image quality. And I think a lot of what you said at the, you know, front end of this podcast, I could really just relate to in terms of, uh, just what I enjoy watching in terms of like movies and film and yeah. uh, just, I, I think you mentioned just um, kind of just letting shots like sit and like creating like that tension and everything. You know, I just, I love that stuff. I love like, <laughs> this probably sounds bad, but uh, when I watch, you know, anything on Netflix or whatever, my wife always makes fun of me or her family makes fun of me because I, I just can tell usually within the first five minutes if I'm into this or not. Um, even before I get into the characters and story and whatnot, just like visually the way something is shot, oh, I can just kind of tell like, okay, this is my kind of thing or, eh, this is more like, you know, soap opera -y or whatever, right? Like you can just kind of tell. And so, um, anyways, all that to say, I just, I'm like, oh, I, I just, I want to have like that documentary look, you know, and, uh, mm -hmm. it seems like kind of black magic is the, 
best way to get into that game, I guess. But uh, yeah, anyways, um, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, man. So uh yeah always down to chat so yeah 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 yeah. um i guess let's just end it on on this i guess youtube subject so uh where where are you kind of seeing things go from here i what's your plans i I guess i have never uh you know and i've i i think i've probably met you know preached this on different in different ways over the course of making YouTube videos that that um you know I don't I'm not producing stuff on YouTube so that I can you know be a YouTuber and I, sure. I would I would almost assume that any other big YouTuber probably had said the same thing They're like hey I'm just going to do this see what happens yeah. and that's really what I've done is of course we like to look at how many views and subscribers and all that. No, if somebody tells you they're not, they're lying. Cause you know, we, we like to see that <laughs> right. everyone likes to see the, you know, the, the scale. And so for a long time, uh, you know, I would just, I would just keep uploading and I would just maintain, you know, maybe it wasn't always consistent. You know, I try to stay consistent like once a week or whatnot. Uh, then I kind of told myself, okay, just be you if don't force videos just when something comes along or, uh, you know, I have all these different ideas, but I can't make them, you know, every day. So whenever an idea comes along, then I save it for a specific shoot or whatever, when the certain season is coming around or whatnot. Um, but I think recently, you know, over the past year, definitely there's been this, uh, you know, obviously I'm a very small creator in the YouTube world, but, a huge uptick in the past year. Uh, and I think, you know, it, it, you can look at the analytics and, you know, you can obviously, you know, Google gives you a lot of tools to be able to see which videos people are watching, which ones they're turning off 10 seconds in. Uh, but what I've seen is, you know, if you just stick to who you are and upload stuff that you believe in and really speaks to like, your style and and who you are, then you're going to be successful in your own way. Maybe, maybe I stay at, you know, whatever, 4,000 subscribers for five years straight or what, you know, there's not a huge increase, but that's okay. You know, if, if, uh, if that's what's meant to be, then that's what's meant to be. But, um, I do, I'm going to continue to do YouTube definitely because for me personally, I really enjoy, uh, just sharing, you know, the workflow and and sharing things and also giving, uh, a look into, uh, I don't know, just a different, a different way of doing it as far as like telling people, Hey, you know, there's so many like definite type of answers on YouTube. Like, Oh my gosh, this is the best mic. If you don't buy this mic, like no other mic is good or my camera is the best camera. Or, this is how you should be editing. And, you know, I show people what I'm doing and are, you know, and tell them the gear, but it's just work, what works for me. And so it might not work for you. So experiment, take the time. That's what I've done over the course of now, 
whatever, how many years I've had different cameras, 20 years since I was a little kid and I've just been experimenting and that's what I'm still doing. I'm always experimenting. I'm always playing around, uh, you know, putting yourself in front of the camera, I think is very difficult for a lot of us. Um, and I wouldn't say that it's easy for me always. Um, but if you just get into the flow and just start to put stuff out there and you have to really not care about what people think and just know that people are watching and you are helping, even if it's one person, you are changing somebody's perspective. Um, and that's, that's really what I want to do is encourage people to, they don't have to upload on YouTube, but just go create stuff. Go, if that's what you want to do, then just make a way for it. We all have different, uh, backgrounds and we all come from very different stories. Uh, so I know it's, it's easier said than done for some people to say, now I want to be a filmmaker or a photographer and I'm just going to th- drop everything else. But we only get one chance at this, right? We, we, we're living a life. This is me for the, for however long I'm here, I'm going to do what I love to do and I'm going to be unapologetic about it. I'm going to be who I am. And Whoever's going to follow behind that, that's great. Or people that want to come alongside, that's awesome. Uh, And that's the community I want to build for sure. It's just people who love what they do. Um, Yeah. Mm. I think that's such a great mentality to have, man. And I don't know. I think think there's a lot of people who are going to rally around that. And I know it's not about the numbers or anything like that. And I, I think you have seriously just like the perfect attitude and and um and mentality towards that thing and uh it's always ironic because it's it is people that have the that same type of thought process that usually end up you know finding a lot of success on the platform (laughs) so you know i honestly man i i I really do wish you um just a ton of just good fortune and, and and luck and um i just hope that things grow not that again it's it's not about that but i just i hope your work gets recognized by as many people as possible because I, I'm that big of a fan of yours. And, uh, you know, honestly, it's kind of a no brainer. When I started this podcast, I was like, man, you know, I had fairly short list of people that I wanted to reach out to and hopefully connect with and, and, and interview. And you were on that list and, uh, man, yeah, I just hope, I hope, things continue to go well for you and I hope people recognize your work. I hope people appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, man, it's, I'm just listening to you having this conversation. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm learning things. I'm taking, <laughs> I'm taking things away. And, uh, to kind of even just mention like what you were talking about, even if you help one person, uh, I'm not going to go into like, again, my whole like f- filmmaking story. I spent a lot of time on the last episode going into that. So, uh, but I am like YouTube university all the way, man. Like I learned so much on this platform and I remember always thinking like, I want to be that source of help for other people. Um, and you know, the numbers don't always reflect like, Oh wow, look at how many people I'm, you know, or comments or whatever. But every once in a while, man, you'll just get that, you'll get that like true genuine comment or that person who DMS you on Instagram. And, uh, I just, I love those moments. I love being able to like actually provide like help for people. Cause, uh, dude, I've, I've certainly, taken my fair fair share of free uh education and free advice from this platform so giving it back definitely seems like 
the right thing to do, I guess. But <laughs> yeah, no. And I, I love everything you said. I appreciate, you know, uh, this is the perfect example of what we're doing right now that this is exactly, right. uh, you know, you're one person, I'm one person. We've met, you know, found each other on yeah. YouTube and right. now we're talking about stuff we love. And, um, yeah, I, I, you know, it makes me feel really good, you know, when I hear people, you know, say that, you know, they, they appreciate the stuff that, that I put out to yeah. the world. And, uh, yeah, hopefully that, you know, this isn't the last time. That, yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm not going to lie. One of the reasons I wanted you on as well is because your audio is always on point in your videos. And I figured. <laughs> Hopefully this will be good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I anyways. Audio. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I mean, I seriously, I appreciate you coming on. Um, and for anybody who wants to check out Nick's work, obviously I'll link all your stuff in the description down below. But uh, yeah, hopefully this is the the first of many, my man. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you very much. And uh, yeah, take it easy.